welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach David Bartke here. Today is Sunday, April the 15th, 2018, 8 p.m., your weekend daily dose of happy. And we are all happy because all the taxes are done and we've had great weekends and we're looking forward to an upcoming week. So all's right with the world, wouldn't you say, David? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, uh, I'm doing really good. I had a really good week. Um, I have some wins to report. I went to a very interesting lecture last night. So, Oh, well, where um, should we begin uh, then? <laughs> well, why don't I talk about this really nice win that okay. I think will interest people. And it's actually with a client. And, um, and this is okay that I mention it. Um, so I have a client who, one of the reasons he came for the Law of Attraction coaching is he wanted to manifest a kind of a dream job for him, you know? Um, So, you know, of course we did the work and he came up with all the things he would like in a dream, all the aspects he would like in a dream job. And anyway, so uh, last week, which was a few weeks after we started with this, it was funny because he was like, I was like, well, how was your week? And all that, you know, and he was said, well, I got a lot of rejection letters from jobs that I applied to. So initially I thought, okay, well, you know, he hasn't attracted it yet. And he was telling me, but he kind of did like a little April fools on me. Oh, I see. Okay. Then he, yeah. Then he said, but I did get one job offer. And I'm like, Oh, well, what's going on with that? And he said, well, it has every aspect that I came up with. Nice. Yeah, I was like, what? (laughs) Because, you know, sometimes, especially with that kind of thing, you know, maybe they people attract something that has almost everything, which Mm -hmm. is still really good. Um, But he said, no, it has the hours I want, the location I want, the flexibility I want, the salary I want, like everything he came up with this particular job had. So... Fantastic. Uh, and, it, and it was all attracted to him through his law of attraction work. So, that is great. Great news. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, I know you have the book coming out eventually about other people's law of attraction stories. Yep. But it's just, uh, you know, obviously more, more proof that when you're a vibrational match to what you want, it, it manifests. It, it kind of reminds me of what happened with my brother, Mark. Mark, as you probably know, uh, and his wife, Yona, were my co-hosts for about a year. Um, This would have been year two to three of the podcast. And during that time, we did a lot of exploring, particularly with uh, Yona, my sister-in-law, who is a PhD Uh candidate and is very close to uh, getting her final, uh, I forget what it is, it's a thesis or something, but the the final uh, doctoral thing done. She's getting really close on that. But anyway... Um, they ran into some financial difficulties, ended up moving temporarily to her native home in Trinidad for a while. And my brother was kind of worried. My brother is a uh, software engineer, um, so he has very marketable skills. But he was, you know, he's kind of up there in age like I am. And he had, he was worried that he was going to be able to get work. He had not been working in that field for some time. He had actually quit his job and they've been doing a business venture together that had worked out for a while, but then didn't work out. 
and they were trying to figure out what to do, and his, his confidence level wasn't really high. But uh, they uh, scraped some money together at one point so that he could come back to the States and start applying for jobs and so forth. And, uh, of course, uh, Yuana was, was bucking him up and trying to help him feel like, you know, go for the good stuff, you, you deserve yeah. it, you're, you're good for it, and all that kind of thing. And so he came, he came back here, he uh, did some interviews, he interviewed with major companies, he interviewed with, like, you know, he, con he was in contact with, I think, Google and Apple and some of the major uh, software companies out there. Didn't get any real good offers, ended up getting one offer for a brief time, I can't remember which company it was, but then uh, that quickly ended and he ended up working for another brief time, <laughs> this is really ironic, with General uh -huh. Electric, which is the company that my dad worked for for 44 years. <laughs> <laughs> oh my so that, that was pretty weird <laughs> but that was a very short contract that one didn't last either and then just i'm not sure exactly when it was it was i'm going to say within the last six months then he got another contract offer and this one was for a good long one but like a four or five year contract and you'll never guess who it was with he got it with oh. nasa he's working oh at cape canaveral in florida <laughs> wow wow I mean, it, and and for my brother, that's like a you know dream come true kind of thing. Plus, I don't know how familiar you are about Cape Canaveral, but Cape Canaveral is surrounded by a nature preserve. So oh, not only is it on the water, not only are they sending rocket ships up, but it's a gorgeous locale. Wildlife all <laughs> over the place. I mean, he is absolutely in heaven. So once again, there's a manifestation story, you know, that, that exceeded his greatest hopes and yeah dreams. man plus he's being paid a ridiculous amount of money so <laughs> that, that's nice <laughs> that's always good too you know yeah the, the only thing i know about cape canaveral is i've been there on a cruise and that's where we left to go to, to disney <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah right sure well that's not all that far away that's true yeah. yeah i think it was uh i don't know an hour bus ride or something like that mm, a little bit more maybe but yes it, it's it's certainly within driving distance that's for sure yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I never actually looked in that particular area or did any touring, but that sounds really nice. What was really wild is um, he and Yuona were already living in that area. They lived very close to that, and all of a sudden he gets this dream job very close to where he lives <laughs> at Cape Canaveral, at Cape Kennedy, you know? Like, holy very cow. nice. <laughs> so that was a pretty big win. But yeah, you mentioned the very book, nice. and uh, I've actually been very diligent with the book this weekend. In fact, I have completed the stage of stitching all the stories together. So all 56 stories are now back-to-back-to-back to back to back in book form. Uh, the book isn't Very 100 percent completed, but still, it's a—I mean, it's like 95 percent completed. Um, I still have and to. For someone who, for someone who doesn't know what book we're talking about, what's the oh, little yeah, rundown? Well, I think almost everybody who's a regular listener knows by now. But you're right; if it's a new listener, they may not know. This is a book of manifestation stories using the law of attraction. These are all real stories told mostly by life coaches. A few also, a few writers also like myself who are just uh, practitioners of the Law of Attraction, and uh, there, there are some amazing stories of people who were in often very difficult circumstances and ended up producing amazing results just by asking, believing, allowing, and receiving. Um, and they're, I, I think people are going to really like them. Uh, it looks like this book is going to be 400 pages long, so this is not going to be a wow. short read. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this is a good-sized wow. book. Um, I still have the covers to do, and I still have the cover page, uh, the title page to do, and uh, an introduction to write, 
And the last page, talk about LOA Today, because that's one of the reasons we're yeah. doing this book, is to help promote LOA Today. And then I have to uh, look at the website for the companies where we're going to actually do the publishing. In other words, uh, the people who do the printing and so forth, because I have yeah. to set them up both in Amazon Kindle format and in regular paperback format. And then we have to... Uh, double down and get the whole team behind doing the marketing effort and then once we've got all that figured out we're launching so we're real close now <laughs> we're real close well, it sounds like a, it's going to be great and, it, and one of those books like because i'm sure all the stories are interesting you could probably turn any page and find an interesting story i'm sure oh yeah yeah there are going to be a lot of inspirational stories in here so you, you practically just open a page and it doesn't matter where you are you're going to find something exactly. inspirational yes. And, and there are a lot Excellent. of them, 56 stories, about 40 different authors. Um, I mean, it's it's going to be a sight to behold. And, and I think it's going to be a, a book that people really like because it's going to be inspiring to know, you know, what have actually people done with the law of attraction? How have they actually used it to their own benefit? Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I love about it most? Most people, if they think about the law of attraction, particularly for the first time, they think, well, did they all become millionaires? Well, no, that's not what happened. <laughs> they didn't all become millionaires. Actually, none of them became millionaires. Because in the real world, we don't actively start off successfully manifesting million-dollar incomes. That's, that's, that's like advanced work, right? This is the, the, a, a set of stories that are more intermediate work. People who went after you know, often difficult goals and achieved them. And did so in ways that they really couldn't plan in advance. They, the only way they could really get there was to get excited about what it is they want and to firmly believe in it and, and just trust that the universe would deliver. And they did. And, and you've got two of the stories. Um, in fact, the most yes. popular category we have is stories about uh, acquisition, acquisitions of homes and offices and that sort of thing. And you've got two on that s subject. So your stories are both near the beginning of the book. Nice, but that, that's so interesting that that's, uh, that topic is one of the more written about ones. That surprised me too, I have to say. Um, I, I kind of expected it might be relationships as the most popular one or perhaps <laughs> careers, but nope, it was houses yeah. and offices. I mean, that's, that was a little bit of a surprise, but uh, just goes to show, uh, you know. And, and they're great stories too, that's the best part. They're great stories, you know, getting the house of the dreams when you didn't think that it was even possible to get it or when yeah. somebody else already had bought it and then the deal falls apart so you can get it. I mean, just <laughs> crazy events like this. Just really, really good. This is a book I know, that I think I people can... are going to like. This is good. This is a book that people are going to recommend, I believe. Oh, I'm sure. And, and yeah. I like like what you said earlier that with Law of Attraction, we don't know how something's going to manifest. And that's, that's not our, our quote, job to know because if we try to figure it out, then we just get caught up in that. And that, to me, that makes it so much easier. Like, we don't have to know how something's going to happen. In fact, I saved for the very last story, a story from Louise's my own experience, which is, it, it isn't a single manifestation story. It's really three different stories all woven together that all happened at the same uh -huh. time. Well, actually, four stories when you really add it all together. And, and just the way that they came together and, and the way they unfolded, I mean, that if a Hollywood scriptwriter had tried to write it, he would have been fired, first of all, for the concept. <laughs> <laughs> and even if he did try to write it, nobody would have bought it because nobody would have believed it. <laughs> right. You know, so there's an example of what you mean. I mean, you just can't. There was no way Louise and I could have predicted what happened when all this unfolded. 
um, which is about yeah. uh, four or five years ago. So yeah, it, it, this is this is going to be a book that really opens some eyes, I believe. Well, I'm looking forward to when uh, you come up with the title or whoever comes up with the title because that would be great. I think I was originally going to call it based on the show your, your daily dose of happy, but I don't think I'm going to call it that. I think we're going to make it much more straightforward. Manifestation stories of the law of attraction. That sounds. Perfect. I mean, that's, that's what, what it is. is. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. I, I, I mean, we'll probably put a subtitle on there too, but I think that's basically what the title is going to be. Wow! I, I even well, have a cover I'm concept. Forward in mind. to reading the stories. Oh, me too. <laughs> and I've read them three times, <laughs> and I'm going to read them but a couple not, more. You're not sick of them yet? Like, oh my God, if I read this one one more time, <laughs> it's not that I'm sick of the stories. I, I'm, I mean, putting this stuff together and doing the editing is tiring. It's real work. It's a lot of work. Yeah. It is. It's it, a lot it's, of work. It's hard work, yeah. and you have to, especially <laughs> if your goal is to put together a book that really resonates with people and really gets people excited then you have to pay attention to detail. And so I've really yeah. striven to do exactly that, to just be as careful about the detail as I can, um, making sure that the stories all work together without sounding like they're all the same voice because each author has their own voice, but making it so that the voices aren't so you know, disparate that they don't even sound like they should belong in the same book. You, know, you, have, mm-hmm. to, you have to find a balance there and making sure that... Uh, all of the uh, typos are caught, or as many of them as you can possibly catch. I mean, it's a big one. Um, I've already been through everything, uh, complete read twice, and now that I've stitched it together, I'll do a third read through, and then I'll be sharing it with all the authors because, of course, they want to see what it looks like, and then that'll be one more yeah. opportunity for them to take a look and say, "Hey, Walt, you missed this one over here on page six forty-two. <laughs> well, not six forty-two. There's only four hundred pages, but <laughs> you get the idea. <laughs> yes. So we're not out yes. of the woods yet in terms of getting everything done, but we've gotten past a major milestone by getting the books to check out. Excellent. Yeah. Well, that's a big win. Big it win is. for you for the week. It's a very sure. big win. So it's been good. It's been very, very good. I, I also, you know, sometimes we talk about vibration raising foods that just taste oh, so yes. good. You're like, oh my God. Well, one that I had this week, of course, is a dessert. <laughs> oh, of course it was. <laughs> of course. And it was like a chocolate mousse cookie cake. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh my god well it was it was like so good it was like a layer of chocolate mousse and a layer of like a some kind of chocolate chip cookie i don't even know how they did it and then like some kind of fresh whipped cream and the whole top had like a chocolate shell <laughs> good grief around the whole thing wow and like you bit into it it was just like oh my god just like a little piece of heaven there <laughs> and i was like this is definitely a vibration raising food so so does this so, come um, with its own uh, paramedic fleet in case you go into a diabetic fit <laughs> yeah it's not the kind of thing you could have a big piece i could have a big piece <laughs> no i wouldn't think so <laughs> but i i probably had about two teaspoons because that's it, it is very rich, but it was so good. I'm like, I think I need one more little piece. <laughs> <laughs> it was just really good. Really. Did you have any, any uh, vibration-raising foods you could think of this past week? Well, actually, tonight, before doing this show, we had swordfish, and it was delicious. Oh. Very delicious. Did Louise make it? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's a good wow. cook. She's really good. Yeah, it was delicious swordfish steaks. I mean, they were done perf- to perfection. We had a little sweet potato <laughs> and some fresh carrots and some fresh asparagus. And, oh, it was great. The asparagus had uh, garlic on it. It was really good. Ooh, that does sound good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, now, it was tasty. 
Now, last night I went to a um, a very good inspirational lecture um, by Iyanla Van Zant, and you know I'm not sure if you've heard of her. But I have not. Tell us who she this has, is. Well, she's been around a really long time. I actually used to go to her lectures about 20 years ago when I lived in L.A. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, she used to go to this uh, Agape, this church called Agape, which was an I've amazing place yeah. to be. And actually, Agape is run by Michael Beckwith, who's right. part of The Secret. Right. He's part of The Secret. Mm-hmm. And I always loved going to her talks when she was a special guest. Because she has like her own way, like a very down-to-earth way of relaying really wonderful information. And a lot of it's law of attraction-based. And she also has her own show now. Uh, I think it's called Fix My Life. So anyway, she happened to be um, speaking not that far from where I live. So I went last night, and she came out with a new book called Get Over It. Mm-hmm. And I haven't read it yet, but she did talk about it. And it's basically how we're like all holding on to past experiences and things that are not serving us anymore. You know, like a lot of people are holding on to something that happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and they're still stewing over it. And and, uh, so she's, this book apparently will tell us all how to get over it. So those type of things aren't holding us back from, you know, being the best version of ourselves we can be okay and one thing she talked about that was very interesting is she said um that a thought is neutral until we give it meaning i thought that was very interesting so like when something happens to you whatever it is there's always a choice to be made of what it means so Mm -hmm. Something, quote, bad or negative could happen to you, but it doesn't mean you have to label it that way. Sure. Yeah, it's all choice. I, I thought that was very that. interesting. Like, yeah. to, be that, oh, to be that aware that if something happens to you, that you don't have to label it in your mind as this horrible, bad thing. Because she says when you do, she said every, every thought you've ever had stays in your body somewhere. Okay. Kind of, she kind of made it like this, like, you know, imaginary kind of file cabinet that's kept in your body of every thought you've ever had. So, hmm. okay. It, it's, uh, it's very obviously important. You know, we always talk about thoughts and what you focus on and think about is what you're going to attract. Right. So that was just kind of an interesting metaphor. Like, wow. Yeah. Like, but I really like that idea of, you know, it really is a choice when something happens that we could think about it in a way that doesn't affect us negatively from that point on. Yeah, it's very similar to something that uh, Cindy Chavez and I have talked about. Cindy does the Tuesday and Wednesday morning podcast with me. And she mm-hmm. has mentioned on a couple of occasions that she doesn't like the idea of thinking about our reactions to things and, and to what we think about things in terms of being positive or negative. She thinks mm-hmm. that she likes to think of them in terms of what we want and what we don't want. I, I say it in terms of what we prefer and what we don't prefer, but it's, it's her way of agreeing with, you know, your speaker from last night that it, the event itself is idea neutral. It's how we decide to react to it. That really matters. Mm-hmm. And if we look at it in mm-hmm. one way, then we get one kind of result. If we look at it in another way, we get a different kind of result. Yes. 
and they may think like, I wonder where we, I guess we picked that up from as we're growing up, we see people in our family react to certain things or maybe even in the media or TV. And that, I guess, gives us the idea that we have to react a certain way. Because where do we, well, where do we get that influence. from? You I mean, know? That, that's certainly an influence. I, I think we're influenced by a lot of things. But ultimately, at one point or another during our lives, we we get, every actually at every step of the way, we get the option of deciding, are we going to react based on the way we've been taught to react? Or are we going to react yeah. the way we want to react? At some point, we decide yep. to do it the way we want to react, based on what we want in life, based on what is important to us, based on how we want our lives to go, based on what we want to do with our lives. That's the way we tend to react uh, at some point. But up until then, you're right, we're directly influenced by the teachers, the parents, the, the, the peers, <laughs> the, uh, the news podcasters, the politicians. We're influenced yeah. by all of them. I mean, like, wouldn't it be amazing if, regardless of what happened to us, we all, we responded in a way that that helped us more than harmed us, like vibrationally, for the rest of our lives. Because <laughs> a lot of things can affect us that long. Well, that's one of the reasons I do the podcast. Not well, yeah. I, mean, I do have to help other people too, but I do it for me for that reason. Because I I like the podcast, I enjoy it. It's fun. It's exciting to do. I I'm up for it every time. It makes me feel good. And I see it as like a springboard to get me to that place that you just described, where I'm feeling great. Yeah. Where it's just a good experience every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, it was a really very interesting lecture, and uh, I'm looking forward to reading her book because I'm, you know, she goes into obviously a lot more detail oh, sure. in the book. Um, yeah. Once I do, I will share any interesting tidbits that um, I find. But very good. I just like it was just very interesting eye-opening, you know, thought about thoughts. So I wanted to share that. Sounds great. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward next Saturday when Louise and I go to uh, hear Abraham Hicks, Esther Hicks, in Greenwich, Connecticut. Um, We'll be looking forward to this for some time. Yeah, that's going to be fantastic. It's my first ever. Now, are you going to go in the hot seat? I don't know. It depends on whether she calls me. <laughs> you can't <laughs> so, just I mean, say, hey, I'm going to take the about, hot seat. <laughs> are you gonna have, do you have a question ready, just in case? Oh, I have a couple questions, yeah. I, I actually had a little list started, and I haven't visited it in a while, but I will do it again this week. Um, but I know what two of my questions are, for sure. I, I have them all That's set. That's wonderful. Yeah. I, one has to do well, with I expansion, hope, uh, and the other has to do with science. I hope you get in the hot seat. <laughs> well, yeah, it'd be fun. It'd be interesting. If it doesn't happen, I'm okay with that, but... Uh, there are questions yeah. I wanted to have answered for some time, so that might be enough to make them want to call on me. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, when, um, I did go to see her live once. And basically, um, when she's ready for questions, she just asks who who has a question, and you know, of course, most of the people raise their hand. Right. And she just uh, uses her intuition and calls upon whoever she points to. <laughs> Pretty much, yep. So I hope she calls on you because I'd like I'd love you to get your questions answered. Yeah, so me you too. Could share it. You could share it with everyone. I can even tell you what the questions are. One of them. Oh, is, okay, great. One of them is about the nature of expansion, because we're told through many of the teachings of Abraham that all of this, the contrast with the way we relate to it, what we select, what we choose, that we like, that we don't like, what our preferences are, and so on, the stuff that we think about. All of it leads to universal expansion. And what I want to know is, what specifically, what is the unit of expansion? What, 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 
what stuff is it? Is it matter that is making the matter larger? Is it increasing the amount mm -hmm. of matter? Is it the energy? Is it the energy that's increasing? What exactly is expanding? That's that's my first question. And then the second question is, and this is one that I actually saw on a Facebook post, and I saw it, and I said, whoa, that's a great question. The law of attraction states, in very, very simple terms, that like attracts like. Right. So, so why is it that in science, electricity, positive and negative poles attract? And in magnetism, positive and negative poles attract. And in um, atomic uh, physics, the, nu the, the, the nucleus and the electrons, which are positive and negative or, or neutral and negative, depending on which um, nucleus elements you're talking about, also attract enough to keep the, uh, the electrons in orbit, so to speak. Well, if, mm -hmm. if like attracts like, why is it that all these elements of science have opposites attracting? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I have no of idea what the answer is Of course, you're asking something scientific, Well, <laughs> I know that. I know that. But that, hey, you know, I'm okay with that. I, if they're okay with it, then I'll I know. If they're not okay with I'm it, then being, I won't get called on. <laughs> I'm just being funny. I'm just being funny because I always say you're, you're very scientific. <laughs> I want to know these but, things. I want to know. I think, I think they're I, good questions. Yeah, I really hope uh, she picks you. That would be great if you get to get your answers. Yeah, it'd be fun. Very, very interesting. Now, speaking answer. of Abraham Hicks, I listened to one of the talks, and I just wrote down some notes that I thought were really interesting. Oh, okay. So so one of them was, which I really think is great, You can. she was talking about illness and such, and she said, you can be in a body that hurts and be fearful, or you can be in a body that hurts and be hopeful. Mm-hmm. It's always up to you. Not always easy to do the second one. No, but I just think it's just a wonderful awareness. Like, oh, just so true, you know? Well, yeah, the fact is, no matter what goes on in life, no matter how bad of a curveball we're thrown, we still get the choice about how we're going to respond yeah. to it. And it's it can be a real challenge, especially if life gives you a little slap on the face. You know, you're, you're racked with pain and you're supposed to focus on feeling good. That's not so easy to do. That's pretty mm -hmm. difficult to do. Yeah, um, if there's some some illness that someone has and, you know, your doctor's going to be telling you all this information and it, it could be easy to be in that in that fearful mode. But it's well, just nice to know, like, oh, that's true. I can also true. be in, in, a, in a more hopeful mode. It's especially useful information for somebody who has a relation who's going through something like that because yes. you might be empathetically yes. feeling what they're feeling, but you're not actively feeling what they're feeling. And so, therefore, you as the law of attraction guru in the, in the uh, setup, so to speak, can decide, well, you're going to feel good and you're going to also help the person who is feeling ill – to also feel good just by holding them in a positive you know, light and all the kind of stuff that Abraham talks about in that regard. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you, you can be the person who helps facilitate the healing for somebody. Presumably, and this is a big presumption, presumably, presuming that the sick or injured person actually wants to get better and is willing to, to, to work to try to get there. Yes, yes. No, you're right. Their, their intention has to be there. The intention has to be there, yes. Yes. If they're ready to give up, one, you can you can wish for them all you want, and giving they're giving up is going to win. That's going to overrule. Yes. Yes. And then, so what does this mean to you? This is another one. Okay. You can't make you can't make something better by looking at something that is wrong. You know that should be so obvious to us. 
<laughs> it really should. That should be just so obvious. And yet, when we're in the middle of a situation, that's the hardest thing to remember. <laughs> right, and that's what you're saying. Like when you're in the middle of it. Yep. <laughs> it's just funny how that works. But but I mean, objectively, you listen to that and you say, "Well, of course. How could it be anything else? <laughs> you don't even, don't even have to understand the law of attraction to know that one." <laughs> <laughs> But that goes, I think underneath that is vibrationally. Like you can't, you can't be focusing on what's wrong in a particular situation going on with yourself and then wonder why it's not improving. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right. So I think that's a, a good, again, like, like you said, it's kind of obvious, but it's a good awareness, especially from a law of attraction point of view. Oh, yeah. Well, especially if you're in the middle of something like that, where you need to have that objective perspective to remind you, oh, yeah, I get to decide how I'm going to react in any situation. That's right. That's right. Now, what about this one? You have to care about how you feel first. What does that mean to you? That's the basis of deliberate creation. If you don't, If you don't get into the feeling place first then what you're hoping for can't happen, which is diametrically the opposite of what we expect. We are trained, so Mm -hmm. to speak, by, quote, reality, unquote, that stuff happens first and then you react to it afterward, that your belief is conditioned by what happens to you. When Mm -hmm. in reality, real reality, spiritual reality, I don't know what you want to call it, law of attraction reality, the the reality that is malleable rather than the reality that is fixed, no matter how you want to describe it, the true reality that we actually deal with is one where if we get the belief first and we really believe it and we get enthusiastic about it and excited and the emotion is building and building and building and the thought is building and building and building and you're fleshing it out and turning into all kinds of stuff that's really cool and and you stay true to that, that actually creates material results mm-hmm. which is not what we expect if we don't understand mm-hmm. law of attraction yes yes now how about this one this is an attraction based universe when you push against something you're actually asking for it <laughs> that's a tough one that's one of the first <laughs> things that trips you up early on when you're first exposed to law of attraction the idea that I don't want this thing, so I'm really not going to want this thing. And, oh, my God, it's showing up anyway. In fact, it's showing up faster. How could that be? And because that's, when you when you push against it, you're keeping yourself in the vibration of it. Yes, and that, that's, that's a hard one to learn, but it, it is literally true. The more that we focus on something, particularly with passion, the more we attract yes. it, even if that something is something we don't want. Yeah, so the, the next one kind of goes along with that. There is no such thing as no yes. in a vibrational universe because you're giving your attention to it and you're, and you're requesting more of it. <laughs> and at first, that's the hard part to understand. But if you think about it in terms of a vibrational universe, imagine everything vibrating. You know, we, we yeah. don't actually see vibration most of the time, right? But if we imagine that everything is vibrating just to give us a way to kind of model what's going on, well then saying no to something that vibrates, what would we expect that to do? To stop vibrating? Doesn't really make sense, really. I mean, it's vibrating. Why Why is no going to stop it from vibrating? <laughs> That's right. That's right. And by saying no to it, you're aligning yourself with it. 
maybe what we're thinking is that the vibration is somehow self-aware. And, and so the, the self-aware vibration is supposed to say, oh, excuse me, I, I didn't mean to vibrate. Please, please forgive me. I'll stop. <laughs> yes, yes. And that kind of goes along with one time we talked about the quote, um, we're always saying yes to everything we're focusing on. Yes. Very true. And that kind of, yeah, that goes along with that. Like, okay, well, if I'm focusing on something I don't want, I'm saying yes to it because I'm focusing on it because we know that what we focus on is what we're going to attract. That's it. What we focus on actually helps to synchronize vibrations between us and whatever it is. And in the process of doing that, we attract it because like vibration attracts like vibration. Yes. And I love this next one. Would you rather be right or feel good? And of course, <laughs> I love that. That's great. And of course, from a law of attraction point of view, the answer is feel good because everything we want, we think we want because it's going to make us feel better, feel good. And a lot of people, as Esther says, beat beat the drum of I'm right, you're wrong, regardless of how much resistance is involved. <laughs> and they're not realizing that they're putting themselves in that resistant vibration. And I can uh, confirm that experientially because for the largest part of my life, I was very concerned with being right, almost to the point of being obsessive about it. Mm -hmm. And when I mm -hmm. got exposed to this idea that being right is really not the best place to be if I want to attract what I want into my life, that was disconcerting. That was not an easy thing to deal with. I mean, I understood yeah, it conceptually, yeah. but that doesn't mean that I felt like I could easily just make the shift, you know, and not worry about it anymore. Because mm -hmm. I, I was so invested mm -hmm. in the other way. And just think, yeah, I mean, that, to me, you have to be, to really get that and feel that, you have to be a little bit more, for lack of a better word, advanced in all this, because most people are, have a lot of years defending how right they are about whatever. Yeah, it does take a while, particularly regarding stuff that you've been fierce about, you know, stuff that's yeah. been really, really important to you. That can take a while, and I experienced that very much so. Yeah. Yep. And just think how many times being, like, between friends or family members, be having to be right about something has caused a big rift between people and caused all kinds of uh fear, worry, and doubt, and low vibration. Oh, no doubt You know what I'm saying? It. Like, it's it's not worth it. It's oh, not worth it. Oh, absolutely. It creates all kinds of problems. I definitely would much, I would much rather feel good than having to, to, like, have to be right about something. Oh, not even close anymore. But you're right. There was a time when I thought just the opposite, and boy, that did not serve me at all. I can attest to that. Yes. Yes. And this one I love, too. My vibrational currency is enormous. Ooh. I love that one. Like, oh, yes, okay. <laughs> I like an enormous vibrational currency. Why not? <laughs> Sounds good to me. Although I have yeah, to say, like I, no, there, there are times no I've wondered, there, there are times I've wondered how much stuff is actually in my, my vortex, my vibrational escrow. Because if, is it, if there's as much stuff in there as I think there is, it's pretty damn crowded. <laughs> <laughs> How about this one? I like this one, too. Stop taking score of what hasn't manifested for you yet. 
Yeah, that that's a direct uh, result of all the focus on being right. That's one thing I've really learned. When the more that we're focused on being right, the less often we're able to manifest stuff, and the more we end up wanting to take score because then if we win, then we were right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. And that's really that, that's a really self defeating way to go about things. <laughs> yes. But then but the other thing that way I think people use that too is they do think, Well, I really want to manifest X, Y, and Z, but darn, Y and Z hasn't happened yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it spirals them down into focusing about hasn't happened yet and then they're keeping it from happening because they're in the hasn't happened yet vibration. You know what I found about that? There's a really nice, easy explanation that we can always use as a go-to explanation whenever we want to ask that question. The question is, well, yeah. why, why hasn't it manifested yet? And, and the answer is ridiculously simple. The answer is, I have focused my attention and my emotions more on the lack of the thing than of, on the thing. And if I'm just willing to look at that and notice how true that is and all the different ways that it's true, then I've sort of, you know, satisfied my my screaming desire to know, well, why hasn't it happened yet? Oh, well, okay, (laughs) I guess it was me. Yeah, yeah. And one more, because I know we want to get to the book that we're in the middle of, but um, this one is good, too. So here you go. So what is doesn't hold a candle to what's in your vortex. You are settling for much less than what you're meant to. Yeah, well, that's what I was talking about before. My vortex is jam-packed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's bursting at yes. the seams. <laughs> <laughs> so My... you're settling for much less than what you're meant to if your vortex is jam-packed with all these wonderful things you want. And if you're settling for what is. But by settling for what is, what you're really saying is... Don't send me all those things I've been asking for. Isn't that what it means? That's exactly what it means. Don't send them all. Like, I'll, I'll just settle for what I have. Well, settle, in other words, to me, that means settling for what is, is just kind of giving up. Like, yeah. Like, you're, you're just like, okay, what is, is all that I've manifested. I must have limits because I haven't manifested more. I must, you know, you, it could really do a number on you. But when you realize that that doesn't hold a candle to what's in your vortex, then you can start changing that thought. Which is really why, in my opinion, the biggest thing we're all trying to do is to learn how to stop resisting. Yes. If we can release the yes. resistance and give up on it and just you know put it all behind us, and we all have lots of it, let's be perfectly honest. We all carry resistances of one kind or another. Um, but the mm-hmm. degree to which we are able to release those resistances, that's the degree to which the stuff that's in our vortex becomes our new what is. Yes, yes. And to me, it's such of a, it's so exciting and like kind of like a relief to know that what is isn't all there is. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There was a song, an old song, Is That All There Is? Is That All There Is? If that's all there is, my friend, then let's keep dancing. Hey, it's better sing it than out, us. Well, sing it, sing it. <laughs> <laughs> so what does that so what does that lyric mean? Uh well the lyric isn't necessarily a great LOA lyric, but it does at least say <laughs> if if you're kind of stuck on the idea of that's all there is, then at least keep dancing. That'll be that'll make you feel a little better. 
dancing certainly yeah. feels good, you know. So that part of the message is good. Now, speaking of dancing, have you done any of your morning music dancing around to, to raise your vibration? I, I haven't done a lot of dancing lately because I've been dealing with some knee issues over the last few months. What I have done, uh, however, what I have done uh, is, well, first of all, we're, we're waiting for spring to actually stick. I mean, we had a really nice day yesterday. I know, right? And now yeah. we're back into the 30s again, and, and there are a lot of us here in the Northeast saying, enough already. We're done. Winter, <laughs> you can go away now. It's April. Go away. Goodbye. Well, use your powers of controlling the weather and bring, bring back those warm temperatures. I, I agree with you, but you know what? There's a weird thing. There's something in my mentality that says to myself, I know this sounds strange. Walt, you can control whether or not the thunderstorm or the tornado or the hurricane is going to blast your vent out of the way, but you have no control over temperature. Mm -hmm. Now, I have no idea why I have that, but I swear, David, every time that I try to zero in on influencing temperature, I get instantly defeated in my mind, in my, in, in my inside. Like, you can't do that. Like, what do you mean I can't do that? I can keep hurricanes at bay. What do you mean I can't affect the temperature? But nevertheless, I, that's one of my resistances that I'm trying to you know, move past and set aside. I haven't gotten there yet, but making progress. That's well, the way I look at it. Well, practice, practice, practice. So that's we can right. have some nice temperatures back again. Well, the good news is even if I don't succeed, spring is here and it's going to get warmer. So regardless, it's going to happen. <laughs> it's all your control, Bob. It's all my control. You. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. That's not the way it works. You have to rely on yourself. <laughs> If everybody tries to rely on me, you can forget it because all I'm going to be doing is creating for me. It's not going to help you <laughs> and vice I mean, versa. That's the, way, that's the way it should work. Every one of us should be creating for ourselves. That's actually a good thing. So, so if it's cold tomorrow, I can't say, Walt, what are you doing? It's still cold. <laughs> well, you can say it, but all you'll be doing is trying to, do, to push the uh, responsibility away from yourself because you don't want to have to be responsible for the temperature. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, people who haven't heard, Walt has given some examples where he's made things happen with certain weather patterns around his house. You can actually <laughs> read about them. There are five distinct weather stories in the book. Oh, right. Yeah. Yes. Five distinct stories. One told by my wife and four told by me. Well, I'm looking forward to reading that for sure. sure. There we go. I know some of them you've, you have told, but I, I guess there's a few you haven't. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, I can never always remember all of them, you know. And even after I wrote those down, I started to remember some others, and I said, oh, just draw a line. we got to finish the book, for goodness sake. <laughs> <laughs> Five is good. Yeah. You know, that's enough. That's representative. <laughs> so we are actually, believe it or not, in the middle of reading The Astonishing Power of Emotions. We are. We're actually and... in part two. Part two is entitled Demonstrating the Astonishing Power of Emotions, and they have a series of examples and we are on example two, which has the uh, title that a lot of people can identify with, I Cannot Lose Weight. And we talked about that quite a bit last week. In fact, we talked about uh, what Wendy's been doing yes. with that. And yes. uh, she yes. continues to make progress. She, she's, I, I'm convinced that after she has lost a significant amount of weight and managed to keep it down, um, she's already said she's going to write a book, and I think she really will. And I bet you it's going to oh, be best Oh, she should. Show. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Because, I mean, she is like the world's greatest expert on all the different diets that are out there and how they all don't work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes, and we're at the part now which says, In the beginning of your vibrational alignment regarding your body weight, 
you may begin to feel enthusiasm for some changes in your diet. And many would say, well, then I don't see how this approach differs that much from just going on a diet as I've done so many times before. But we would ask you to notice how much easier it is this time in the feeling of enthusiasm rather than the, the discouragement that you have been acting from before. You will also notice that in this state of improved emotion, you will find an appealing idea and then another. You will begin to find a sort of rolling out of a continuous path of good feeling new ideas. You will begin to feel carried along by those new ideas rather than struggling to find them. And before long, you will begin to see physical results. Of course, upon seeing the physical results, your feeling of enthusiasm will be even greater. And then you are really off and running toward the outcome that you have been seeking. We, we should probably point, point out here that uh, we're in the middle of the chapter. We're on page 61 of the book, if yeah. you're following along. And up until now in this chapter, they've been really emphasizing how important it is to get in the good vibrational place, the good feeling place, before you take any action, regardless of what the action is. And in fact, the paragraph previous to this, this is the one where they said, um, whether you gird up your willpower and walk out of an ice cream parlor or whether you go ahead and select and eat a large tub of ice cream, there is absolutely no difference in the effect of either one of those actions over the other. Even if we are talking about a thousand days of walking out as compared to a thousand days of eating a tub of ice cream, the action choice of one or the other makes no difference because it is your action. It is not your action that matters. It's your vibration. It is not your action that makes you fat. It is your vibration. It is not what you are doing that makes the difference. It is how you are feeling about what you are doing. So this yes. paragraph you just read, that's basically expanding on the idea that they laid out earlier. Yes. Yes, and I and that's the key. What you just read, it's not your action that makes you fat; it's your vibration. It is not what you are doing that makes a difference. It is how you are feeling about what you are doing. And that's kind of like so key in all this. So continuing, it says, and so you achieve your desired body weight, and you will, you will say to yourself after the fact, this time it wasn't difficult, and this time I'll keep it off. And in any case. I now know what to do whenever I decide to about achieving whatever physical bodily condition I choose. And then it says, consider this. If being slender matches the emotion of happiness and you were to consistently eat ice cream while feeling happy, you would be a slender person who eats large quantities of ice cream. <laughs> there are a lot of people who are who are salivating over this right now. I can tell you though from experience, I I've always been up until like the last few years that the the, uh, the old age thing is got starting to get into my brain, so I have to start turning it around. But up until then, yeah. I was always what they called a high metabolism person. And literally, I oh, would you're, say, the, you're the one who everyone hated because you can eat whatever I'm you want. I'm the one, so. yeah, that's right. And I would eat the <laughs> ice cream, and I wouldn't think even for a split second that I was going to put on weight. Didn't even occur to me to, to, to even think about that. I was just enjoying the ice cream. And here's the yes. other interesting thing, David. I had no need to eat tubs of ice cream. And you, <laughs> do you know why I didn't have any need to eat tubs of ice cream? Yeah. Because I didn't really want it. Right. That, that, right. I, I don't know how to tell you how important that is. I uh -huh. knew what my preference was, and my preference for what I really wanted had nothing to do with eat, eating tubs of ice cream. In fact, yeah. it's only in the last few years that I have gotten at all into this whole thing about eating because I'm feeling tired or feeling depressed or feeling grouchy or whatever. 
that that's a new behavior. That's not what I never gave any thought to before. And that's when I put on a few pounds. Not nearly what other people put on, but that's when I put on a few pounds. So clearly, it was my mental outlook that made the difference. It was a very I mean, I can difference. I can relate to this. Not that I eat tubs of ice cream, but I can think back to some times when I was on vacation and I was like really having a good time and having fun. And I would be coming home thinking, wow, like I had a lot of ice cream or like if it was over the summer, mm -hmm. there's one, one place in particular that I'm thinking of that was like a beach town. Mm -hmm. And they had this like homemade ice cream parlor. And that was like the big thing to do every night Sure, <laughs> yeah, to go to the ice cream parlor. And on the way home, I thought, wow, I ate a lot, <laughs> I ate a lot of ice cream this past week and God knows what else. And the interesting thing was, I didn't gain weight. Right. So that's, I can kind of relate to that now that I'm reading this, that, you know, I was, you know, really in a high vibration. Oh, yeah. I didn't gain weight. I, I remember one time when my brother was living in Ohio. He lived in Dayton, Ohio for a while. And my wife and I went to visit him. There's a dairy out there that's actually nationally famous called Grater's. They make Grater's ice cream. And okay. Grater's biggest claim to fame is that Oprah Winfrey will call them every once in a while and ask them to ship a large order of it to her because their their ice cream is so creamy and so rich <laughs> with flavor. Very, very flavorful ice cream. Absolutely delicious. So while we were visiting my brother every single night, well, first he had to tell us about it because we hadn't heard about Grater's. But then right, the, you know, the right. first night we went out and tried it, and oh, God, it was so delicious. So... For the rest of our stay there, every night, we went out to have ice cream. <laughs> now, did we put on a bunch of weight? No. Actually, we didn't put on any weight at all. And here's the most interesting part of all, Dave. Or, yeah, David. When we, um, when we left, we didn't take, like, 25 gallons with us. Right. Because right. we weren't there. We, we weren't going to have the ice cream each time because we'd become addicted to ice cream. We were just enjoying right. it. That's all there was to it. It was just, we were enjoying it. It was part of the experience. It was delicious. We had a good time. It was just, we, right. we were doing it because, just because we wanted to do it because it was fun. But we didn't want to make it a lifestyle. It was not something no, we wanted to do. True. And, and yeah. quite honestly, by the end of it, like, I was kind of glad we were done because I really didn't want to have any more. You know, you get enough of that sugar inside of you, you start to feel <laughs> sick. You know? I know, that's true. Like, when I left that beach and I was like, I could not eat ice cream for a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, if, if you look at what you really want and what you really, you know, what your taste buds really crave, you really don't need all that much. I mean, they make the joke in their little paragraph here about how you could have a thousand tubs of ice creams for a thousand days. <laughs> I doubt very much that anybody could do that without throwing up, to be perfectly honest. Well, there in my town, there is an ice cream parlor, and he has a contest. If you can drink three shakes in a row you get them all for free <laughs> but but notice what the problem is here the problem here that that actually is a weight gain situation because you're not drinking the, the milkshakes because you want to enjoy the milkshakes you're drinking yeah. them to win a contest so you're, you're basically well, so consuming them for the wrong reason and so far no one's been able to do it <laughs> no one <laughs> how many people have gotten sick no no don't answer that well, he said that's what happens. Like you get after the second one, they're like, "Okay, give me the third one," and then then it all goes downhill from there. <laughs> yeah, we won't go any further describe, in the description. I won't describe what happened. I just so had dinner, imagine. so uh, let's not let's just stop it right there. <laughs> <laughs> but I just I thought of that because you were talking about eating 
tubs and tubs of ice cream. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember when, when I read that section, or when we read that last week, and I loved it because it was so obviously graphically clear that it had nothing to do with the ice cream itself, but it had to do rather with the vibration. So I really loved that part. But I also, when I thought of 1,000 days of eating a tub of ice cream each day, I said to myself, oh, God, I mean, I'm going to be amazed you would be dead. You know, to heck with weight gain. <laughs> You'd just be keeling over from a diabetic fit. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, oh, good God. All right, so the next little section says, if your desire to be slender while you are currently not slender matches the emotion of discouragement and you were to cons consistently eat ice cream. <laughs> I just think it's funny, like, it's all about ice cream. But, um, if you were <laughs> well, to you get a theme going, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Poor ice cream. God, it's gonna, it's being, but, and you were to consistently eat ice cream while feeling discouraged, you would be a fat person who eats ice cream. So I guess if you ate all that ice cream while you were away, and while you were eating it, you were thinking, oh, my God, why am I eating all this ice cream? I'm just going to get fat from it. Well, not only that. I mean, I've actually done what they described here in the last few years, and I have put on a few pounds as a result. And that is to eat something. It could be ice cream. It could be almost anything. While feeling discouraged or re while feeling. Yes. In other words, trying to get the ice cream to mask whatever the pain is. Ah, uh, yes, yes. That's guaranteed to put on weight. And it has That's nothing right. to do with the food. It has, to do right. with, it has to do with the, your emotional set point, the fact that you're in mm -hmm. this negative place. Well, guess what? If you're in a negative place, you're going to attract negative results. That's right, including weight. Particularly if you don't want and it. it. <laughs> And it doesn't. It doesn't only have to be about ice cream. No, not at all. I bet you you could it actually. Could you could probably eat very, very healthy. You know, food that's considered to be very healthy food, and right. do it feeling discouraged and put on weight. I'll bet you you could yeah. do that. Yeah. So continuing. If your desire to be slender while you are currently not slender matches the emotion of discouragement, and you were to consistently use your willpower to keep yourself from eating ice cream, <laughs> there, ice cream again, you would be a fat person who does not eat ice cream. In other words, deprivation so That's kind of what work. you were just saying. Yeah, that's kind of what you were just saying. Yeah, well, it's kind of the inverse of what I was saying. But yes, it is. I mean, deprivation is something that many people have tried. Wendy, um, yeah. at one point in her life, basically put herself into a really dangerous diet. I think it was like 600 calories a day, something like that. And she did lose some weight. And then she put oh, yeah. it all back on and another 20 on top. I know, and that's very common. You hear from a lot of people that uh, lost a lot of weight, they gain it back and even more. And yeah. It's like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's because yeah. of the attitude. It's because of the uh, um, the emotional set point and, and how they are choosing to react. That is such an important thing. You, were, you, you raised a couple of those in some of the quotes that you raised. How important yeah. it is to feel happy as opposed to being right, to feel happy as opposed to feeling down, to feel happy as opposed to yes. almost anything. I mean, literally, so I wonder, the, the happier we feel, yeah. the better we are, but the, the less happy we feel, the more unhappy we feel. All kinds of crazy stuff happens that we don't like. So I wonder if Abraham would say then that anyone who's very heavy is unhappy. Well, yeah, I mean, right here in the next paragraph. It says, someone would ask, Abraham, if being unhappy makes you fat, 
Ah, why, there it is. Why are there no fat people in an environment where food is scarce? They are unhappy and they are not fat. They are often starving to death. It's a good question, actually. Yeah. And Abraham answers, if you are focused upon the current situation of food scarcity and you feel fear for yourself and your loved ones, you are a match to what you do not want. It makes no difference if not wanting to be fat is the issue that turns your thoughts upstream or if the idea of starving to death is the issue that turns your thoughts upstream. Your thoughts are still upstream. And we don't think about that when we ask that question up front, do we? We don't realize that we're focusing on the fact that they're not fat. We're ignoring the fact that they're not happy. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah. I never thought of it in that way. Yes. And it says so. They are unhappy and they are not fat. Well, okay. Uh So you're focusing on the they are not fat part. How about focusing on the unhappy part? Yes. Your thoughts are still upstream, which is resistance to what you desire, whether your desire is slenderness or enough food for your family. Being slender matches the emotion of happiness. It's a downstream thought. Being fat matches the emotion of unhappiness, an upstream thought. Having enough to eat matches the emotion of happiness, a downstream thought. Not having enough to eat matches the emotion of unhappiness, an upstream thought. That that makes it pretty clear. Yes. Do you want to read on or shall I? Uh, yep, yeah, we, we only have a few minutes left, but... Okay, the key to creating everything that you desire is to find a way in turn to the better feeling, to turn to the better feeling, downstream thoughts, even when the current situation does not evoke it from you, and to use your willpower to focus your thoughts in the direction of your desire and who you really are, rather than using your willpower to try to produce again to produce action against the current. So in the beginning, your thoughts may be something like the following. Oh, here they do one of those little rampages where they kind of shift yeah. things over. I am fat. Upstream. I don't want to be fat. Upstream. I'm so tired of being overweight. Upstream. I don't like how I look. Upstream. I don't like my clothes. Upstream. I don't want to shop for clothes. Upstream. I've tried so many things. Upstream. Nothing works for me. Upstream. Yes. Remember, you do not have to fix everything. Just try to find a thought that feels a little better. Okay, well, I wish I could find a way. That's downstream. My feet would feel better for sure. (laughs) Yes. That's also a downstream. Again, there are not, these are not earth-shattering statements, but they do feel better, and therefore they are downstream, so your work for now is done. Yeah, that's interesting because it would be very common for someone overweight to think all those upstream thoughts. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, Wendy talked about that in quite a great amount of detail this week on one of the shows, on one of the podcasts. But I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, obviously, we're not going to get through the whole chapter, but uh, we we got a little bit more of it done, and uh, we'll have to leave the rest of it for next week. But, uh, David, it's been good. Now, for somebody who wants a little private coaching, maybe there's somebody who has a weight issue and they want to get a little assistance in terms of turning their own mindset around, how do they reach you? Sure. If someone's interested in uh, Law of Attraction coaching, they can go to lifecoachdavid.com, or you could just email me at david at lifecoachdavid.com to schedule uh, a free mini session and it's uh, by the phone so it doesn't matter where you live very good david's been a pleasure as usual look forward to talking to you next week same here have a great week well thank you you too and we hope that you will all join us next time here on loa today goodbye everybody bye